Hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program, very excited to be with y'all again today. Glad that it's another sunny day, not dealing with a whole lot of rainy weather right now. Uh, but again, after school traffic is underway, so you guys be careful out there uh, here on these mean, mean Lafayette streets. Okay, let's start with the national stuff. We've got a couple of races tonight that we need to take a pretty close look at. So the first race uh, is going to be the Liz Cheney race. I talked about this yesterday. Most recent polling has uh, Liz Cheney down more than 20 points to the uh, likely Republican winner, and that is Harriet Hageman. I think I said Hageman. I think it's Hageman. I've heard both pronunciations, but I think most news outlets are saying Hageman. So let's go with Hageman. Harriet Hageman will be the likely winner on that one. Uh, again, all the polling favors her. Now, Cheney's problem is not that she is anti-Trump. I mentioned this yesterday, but I want to kind of go over this again so that you can see what to expect tonight. Hageman's done a very good job in this race of making it about Wyoming. Now, here's what you need to know. Wyoming does not have a high population. It has one at-large House district. Liz Cheney holds that seat and has held it since 2016, the same year that Donald Trump was elected. But since 2020's election, Liz Cheney has been focused all on Washington, D.C. and the politics of Washington, D.C., and the people of Wyoming have noticed this. And they are not terribly happy with that. They want a representative who is focused on the issues of Wyoming. Part of that is stop talking about the Trump stuff and start focusing on the stuff that's important to us. Pushing back against federal regulations on the environment, uh, all of this ecological stuff, focus on your state and protecting the Republicans in that state. The other issue is that when you're focused on D.C. politics and you're saying Republicans cannot be for the Constitution and for Donald Trump, you're telling your voters that they are unconstitutional. You're telling them that they are wrong. Nothing good ever comes out of calling your voters stupid, which is essentially what she's doing by going after Trump and going after people who support Trump. So Liz Cheney is seen by her own state as being out of touch, whereas Harriet Hageman has been fighting for years on those issues in various positions. She was once a top Cheney ally. You need to know that. She was once a top Cheney ally. She has not made the race about Trump. Trump has been very much against Cheney, but has not been as vocal about who to support. Even CNN acknowledged that this is a race where Hageman is focusing on Wyoming as the top issue, and it's the right focus for Hageman to make. Now, yes, Donald Trump does play some part in it. Some polling does show that the people of Wyoming question the validity of the 2020 election, and they feel that uh, parts were illegitimate and, and all of that. But the voters of Wyoming feel mostly that Liz Cheney is out of touch. So that's one key race here. The other key race to look out for is focused on another critic of Donald Trump. 
and that is Lisa Murkowski. Now, Murkowski won election. She won re-election in Alaska in 2010 uh, when her party nominated somebody else in a primary. She ran as an independent, as a write-in, and won in 2016. That same person that she beat, who was the Republican nominee, ran as a libertarian, and Murkowski won that race as well. Alaska, though, has changed its election system, and we're not going to know who wins this one for a while. This one is an open primary, but it's a ranked choice election, which I absolutely hate. It's what made New York a nightmare in 2020. Or was it was it 2020 or was it 2021? Either uh, whatever the, the election that Eric Adams won. The ranked choice voting. So what is going to happen is the people who go and vote in the Alaska, actually, they don't go vote in the Alaska primary. It's ranked choice and it's mail-in ballot. So people are mailing in their ballots. And some results may start to come in, but we won't know for like two weeks who wins this primary. Chances are Lisa Murkowski isn't going to come out of this primary on top. But the way the ranked choice system works in Alaska right now, a system which, by the way, was pushed by Murkowski's allies, you need to know that. This system, whoever gets the most votes will go to the runoff. It's going to be the top four. The runoff works like this. You pick your top choices. So let's say... Lisa Murkowski wins with 43% of the vote, has the, mo has the highest percentage of the vote, and there's three others underneath her. She doesn't get more than 50%. She doesn't move on. Well, there's eight, like eight people running in the race. So the bottom four who didn't make it in that top four spot, the, uh, the state looks at the second choices on all of those ballots that had named those top four those bottom four as their primary candidate. So let's say that one person has like 3% of the vote. And of that 3%, maybe a third of them uh, had Lisa Murkowski as their second choice. Those votes get added to Murkowski in the ranked choice system. That's why this takes weeks. They have to go through every ballot that didn't vote for the top four candidates. So when it comes to the runoff, you're going to have basically three rounds. Okay. You'll have four candidates. Right now, the polling kind of indicates that there's a Republican who will get a higher percentage of the vote than Murkowski, but won't break 50% of the vote. Murkowski will be second place. Then you have a Democrat who's in third place, and then I think an independent in fourth place. That's kind of what the polling has shown. Problem is that the likelihood of Murkowski getting enough of the vote in the by the end of the counts is very high. Here's what's going to happen. This Republic, I forget even who the, the name of the person is, but this person will probably end up with a higher percentage of the vote. Lisa Murkowski comes in second place. So for this primary, uh, for this runoff, that's the first round is counting up who has the most votes in that first round. Then it will be the top three. So everybody who voted for that lowest candidate, probably the independent, 
those vote, those ballots will be recounted and the second choices will be applied. Well, that will probably leave Murkowski and the other Republican as the top two candidates. What's expected is that all of those Democratic voters will name Lisa Murkowski as their second or third choice because a lot of those Democratic vote, those, those, the Democrats voters will pick either the independent or Lisa Murkowski as their third vote because, uh, or they'll pick them as their second vote. If the independent's already out of that round, then they go to their third choice, which would be Murkowski. So it's, it's a recount. That's why it's going to take so long for us to get because they have to take all the candidates who are running. They're going to pick the top four, and then they're going to start applying the votes in the runoff to uh, under that ranked choice system. It's very, very weird. I don't like ranked choice. I don't like how long it takes. And frankly, I think the system's very stupid. But that's where we are on these two races. There's a third race you need to know of. Uh, that is the congressional seat in Alaska. Uh, the notable thing about that is Sarah Palin looks like she's, uh, or Sarah Palin is running, but... There's a Republican and a Democrat also in the race that are kind of considered the the two top choices there. Uh, in some polling, I saw Sarah Palin in a direct matchup with the Democrat uh, was losing in the matchup polling, but the Republican, uh, the other Republican was winning in the matchup polling. Not sure if Sarah Palin makes it. This race has kind of been low key. The only thing people know about the race is that Sarah Palin's running. So that's really all that there is on that one. But these are the these are the elections that are taking place tonight. Now, you know, normally we'd start to see results coming in uh, probably six o'clock our time. But this is in Wyoming and Alaska, so really I would not expect to see any results coming in uh, until about seven o'clock our time. But based on what we kind of know about uh, the state of play in Wyoming, you can pretty much expect an early call on that tonight. I don't imagine that much, uh, that it won't, it won't take very long after the polls close, uh, for most of the networks to announce that Liz Cheney has been defeated in her primary by Harriet Hageman. Uh, if you want to see really good return results though, uh, my friends over at decision desk HQ have a really phenomenal system and they have consistently beaten the networks, uh, the associated press, they routinely do a very good job. I need to get the guy in charge of that, Brandon Finnegan. He's a buddy of mine. I need to get him to come on the air and kind of talk about what they're doing over there because it's really fascinating stuff. And I remember when they first started up and I was helping them uh, and what they've grown into has been phenomenal. But Decision Desk HQ, if you want to follow uh, election results in these states, go check them out over there. You can also go tonight to redstate.com where we will have these election results up and you can see those there. All right, let's go ahead and take a break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. When we come back... Uh, let's take a look at some of the local news of the day uh, and have some discussion on all that here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, glad to be with y'all today. Uh, before I move on to the local stuff, I wanted to talk about some breaking news has come through. Joe Biden has signed uh, the... Inflation Reduction Act, uh, Build Back Better 2.0. So here's what's funny about all of that. The Democrats, uh, the Biden administration is absolutely refusing to say, uh, refusing to answer questions about whether or not this is actually going to reduce inflation. Uh, from Fox News, 
uh, Digital, the, the, the website team, uh, the website reporters. In response to a request from Fox News Digital on Tuesday, the White House did not immediately provide economic modeling showing when the bill will begin to significantly impact overall inflation, which sits at 8.5% over a year ago as of July. It did not immediately respond to a follow-up question about whether it had developed an estimate showing by how much it would curb price increases. The White House is nevertheless pushing back against criticisms that the bill won't do what its name suggests. It cites experts, including the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, which say the bill overall will have a deflationary effect, It also points to tax credits for green energy that will go into effect immediately and health policies that will go into effect at the start of 2020 as measures that will save Americans money. So if we're subsidizing stuff, we are handing out more money. Now, this is a bit of 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 money magic and not the good kind. You get all these tax credits if you buy an electric vehicle if you install uh, if if you install a charging station in your home, you get tax credit for that. You get all these different tax credits. But no one can afford it in the first place. It's not like these tax credits magically appear the moment you buy it. No, they come at the end of the year when you're doing your taxes. And then you have to wait however long for the rebates to come back for your tax refund to come back because of all this money that you did. So you really don't get any of the money from this tax credit for months. So it doesn't give you any extra money right now, but if you really, really want that tax credit, go ahead and drop however many thousands of dollars you need to, to get an electric vehicle, to get a charging station at your home, to get solar panels or any of these things they're offering uh, tax rebates for. It's a, it's a lie. It's a trick that they're trying to play. You know, you get tax credits for a lot of things, but the money just doesn't magically appear. And when the government's handing out money, that's what causes inflation in the first place. So this is really a very odd financial trick that the Democrats in the White House are saying, oh, it's going to definitely uh, save Americans money. But that, that saved money doesn't show up anytime soon. Most, uh, most electric vehicles are still outside of the uh, budget for a lot of American families. The super rich can go out and buy an electric vehicle and get this tax credit and be happy with it. But middle and lower class families, they aren't going to be able to afford that. So it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, you, you, saving however much on gas, okay. So you pay thousands of dollars to save hundreds in the next couple months un- until you can get those tax, uh, the tax rebates in. That does, that's not a good deal. It's not a good deal at all. But that's what the Democrats are pushing. The Inflation Reduction Act is Build Better Two Point Build Back Better Two Point is going to offer uh, is is going to give out money to make things cheaper in healthcare and give out money to make things cheaper in terms of converting to ed- electric vehicles. But you yourself are not going to see a lot of these savings up front. So it really doesn't save you much of anything, and you've got to spend more to save more. It's like coupons. Just, you know, with federal budgetary tricks instead of, you know, cut out papers that get shoved in your mailbox every Tuesday. The White House is really hoping that this will save Democrats 
in November. The Democrats are hoping this will save them in November. The Democrats are really hoping abortion will save them in November. They are hoping the Mar-a-Lago stuff will save them in November. Keep everything about Trump. Keep everything about uh, the environment. Keep everything about abortion. And every single American out there that is really debating whether or not to even go vote, they're all looking at their bank accounts right now. I, I say this over and over, and at some point it's going to stick. All of the polling shows Americans are most concerned with inflation, the economy, prices, gas prices, the supply chain issues, everything like that. That's what they are worried about. They are worried about all of these things and not the real issues. Uh, Or what the, the Democrats are not worried about the real issues, but Americans are paying attention. All right, let's take a break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL again, 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. Y'all, it's been an exhausting day. And I, I've, I've, I've had to do, I, I was running around and did, and did a lot uh, from this morning right up until I got here. One of the things that I did today that was probably... Uh, the most important thing that I could do was uh, to go and, and, and wrap up my application to be a substitute teacher in Lafayette Parish. Now, when, you know, beginning of the month, I resigned from the Lafayette Parish school system. I'd been working there for the past eight years, would have started my ninth year, but have, uh, have shifted and I'm all media now uh, between here and, and Red State. But I know the situation on the ground for our schools. And I wanted to, you know, continue to be there. Right now, you have a massive uh, uh, teacher shortage across the country. It's not just here. It's everywhere. Lafayette Parish, thankfully, most of its positions are filled or getting filled as we speak. Vermilion Parish does not have very many openings either. Uh, St. Landry Parish has a ton of openings, by the way. And uh, St. Landry Parish, I believe, uh, has a very, very short substitute teacher list. Lafayette Parish, the substitute teacher list, is not as big as it once was. And there's a reason for that. Uh it is just a very tough time, you know, between all the COVID stuff, between the economic stuff, all, all of it's happening. Uh, everything happens so much. Let me say that. And as a result, it leaves a lot of our schools with a struggle. Uh, you know, I, I went to the school I was teaching at and, 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 and visited with some friends, visited with some of the students today. Uh, cause I went up there to tell them, Hey, I should be in the, in the substitute system as of tomorrow. Uh, you guys can, can call me anytime you're in a pinch. I can only do half days, that sort of thing. Uh, but I just wanted to give you the heads up. And while I was there, I said hi to some former coworkers, some former students. Uh, and it was good to see the school year starting off normal, but all, 
all it takes is for a bad flu season, for a particular variant of COVID-19 to go around, and things change. The situation on the ground changes in a heartbeat. You know, Jill Biden tested positive for COVID-19 today. Uh, that was after having tested negative and, half, and after Joe Biden had it twice. Well, we think had it twice. Probably had a, had a negative and was still positive for when they tested him again. Uh, but anyway, you know, Joe Biden has it. it it's it's every, everybody's still talking. I don't know why politicians are announcing they have it. It's in most cases now, it's little more than a, than, than a, a slightly more severe cold. It's not really all that much right now, but politicians are still announcing they still want the COVID thing to be a thing. But all it takes is one bad sickness going around the schools and all of a sudden you have a problem because you don't have enough substitutes around. We, we saw this problem in our schools at the end of the year last year. Not enough substitutes, a lot of teachers being taken away for testing and things like that. It was just a very tough situation for our schools. Working in conservative media, working at Red State, having a conservative talk show, education always comes up. Education reform always comes up. And I I want people to understand this is not a new message from me. If you've listened to the show for a while, you've heard this message before. If you want to reform education... You need to do more than complain on social media. You need to do more than complain at school board meetings. You need to get school board candidates and get them out there to run. You need to, if you're a stay-at-home parent, the kids go to school, but you're at home. If you have the opportunity or you have flexible work hours, Apply to be a substitute teacher. If you're looking to switch careers, if money, you know, is not an if 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 money is not something you need to worry about in, in a lot of cases, but sometimes if you just need it, if you're looking for a job, you can get alternative certification pretty easily. There are places you can do it completely online, and it's not that expensive to get that degree. And you can go in and you can be a teacher. And actually, school systems will hire you on the promise that you complete that certification program. You get, a, uh, you get a practitioner's license before you get the full teaching certification. In order to really see what the education system is like, you need to see it in the trenches. Because my experience at a school is going to be different than another teacher's experience at another school. And my experience in the Lafayette Parish School System is going to be different than a teacher's in the St. Landry Parish School System or the Vermilion Parish School System or the Acadia Parish School System. And a Louisiana teacher's experience is going to be vastly different than a Michigan teacher's experience, where right now Michigan is training teachers to conceal student gender identities from those students' parents. Or the Minnesota school district that has passed a policy that says if it comes time for major staff cuts, we're going to fire the white teachers first. Yes, that's a thing. There are opportunities 
to go in and work in the trenches to get your hands dirty in the education system and really see the needs of the education system firsthand. And I, I've, I've said this before, and I've written it before at Red State. And every time I write it, or every time I say it on social media, I always get the same pushback. The system is just biased against conservatives. Why would we bother? If you start to work within the system, you will understand that the system's not actually biased against you. The system is biased against the people who don't take part in it. The system is biased against people who's, against students whose parents don't show up to meetings and don't show up to events. The system is biased against the people who pull their kids out of public school because they write it off as a complete and total loss. And I don't disagree with those of you that say the school system is in shambles and needs a lot of work, but I will never say that it's at a loss. I think it can be fixed. And that comes from eight years in the system working, seeing it, studying the education issues, studying what's happening in our classrooms, studying not just here, but elsewhere, talking to teachers across the country, you know, being involved in groups that share curricular material, share teaching philosophies, understanding what all of these teachers are going through. And it's not a liberal or conservative thing. Progressives run the education system because conservatives have given up on it. But we're a very conservative part of the state. And we have a pretty conservative school board, whether you want to believe it or not. We do. You don't see critical race there. You don't see transgender uh, ideology sneaking into the school system. You have people that are actively pushing back against it. All it takes is getting the right people on the school board. All it takes is getting the right people into the school system to push back on that sort of thing. All that's ever been needed is just more. More involvement at every level of the education system from conservatives who have otherwise written it off. It's the, in, it's the exact same thing as the major conservatives out there who just write California off. No reason to even worry about California. There's nothing out there that's worthwhile. Nothing in California is worth the effort. I know a lot of damn good conservatives in California and a lot of solid Republican politicians that are working very hard to do what they can to change and fix things in California. And yes, it is a very uphill battle. But they almost got Gavin Newsom tossed out of office. This is the state that gave us Ronald Reagan. And yes, it's drifted very far left since then, but there are good conservatives there. And there are good conservatives and good spots for conservative ideology in public education. But when you quit, when you just write it off and say it's not worth it, that's the problem. That's the issue that we continue to have in our education system is that too many people that can actually work to fix it, write it off as unfixable. And as a result, it just continues to deteriorate. I will never stop preaching 
that if conservatives get involved, they become substitutes, they become certified teachers, they go into the classrooms and they work, they can fix things. You'll note Ron DeSantis is not tearing the system down in Florida. Ron DeSantis, seeing a teacher shortage, has created a has extended a jobs program for veterans. It's not about conservative or progressive. It's about doing the right thing and doing what you can to fix the public education system. All right, let's take a break and we will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment. 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the program, I'll be back here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Hello and welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation. In fact, we've got a caller now. We got Pam on the line. Pam, how are you today? Hey, I'm just fine. What you got? I'm just wondering how many Americans actually realize that we got uh, warships in the Taiwan Strait. You know, that, that's a good point. We're knocking on the door of 350 billion people. We're 320 million. The Chinese elders say, you mess with fire, you get burnt. Yeah, that's very true. Does everybody realize that? You're at war in Europe right now. They send in money where only 30% of it's making it to where it needs to be. So tell me where the other 70% is. Let me see. We send a couple billion, uh, million this week that most people don't even know about. And only 30% of it's making it to the Ukraine in the first place. Yeah. And then you're messing around with Taiwan. You're messing with the Chinese. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point, Pam. And and you're right. We we have all of these global issues that are going on right now, and it's it's really a pretty big concern that not enough people are are paying more attention to what's going on overseas. Thank you very much for the call. And I want to stick uh, I want to stick to that for just a minute. Uh, you know, we we have the conflict between China and Taiwan, and we have the ongoing. Ukraine uh, conflict. We also have other countries around the world that are saber rattling. We have a NATO expansion coming up. We have just a lot of global affairs going on. But at the end of the day, what are we doing? I mean, you know, Pam opens up the call with how many Americans are aware of that? And that's part of the problem. Not enough Americans are aware of what's going on in the world around them. And that's why I, I harp so much on the whole education thing. In the world of education, students get a civics education. And part of civics education, part of that awareness is knowing what goes on in the world around you, how these things are affected in the world around you, and how you can be active in it. Do you go out and vote for the people that make sure that money doesn't get sent to Ukraine? Do you go out and vote for the people that make sure the U.S. doesn't get involved in a conflict between China and Taiwan? Or do you vote for the people that will absolutely back Taiwan should the Chinese invade, which they are likely to do before Joe Biden's out of office in his first term? How many kids do you know that are aware of these things? And I'm not I'm not telling you to go into classrooms as a substitute or as a certified teacher and preach all of this stuff. 
But how many kids, when they come home, how many kids are really engaged? How many do you know of that pay attention to the news of the day? It was kind of funny. I walked in to visit a, a colleague of mine today when I was up at school. And uh, she made a she made a point of saying, hey, Mr. Cunningham used to teach here, but now he uh, is on the radio and you guys can listen to him on the radio in the afternoons after school. How many of y'all listening had a kid tell you, hey, somebody from the radio visited school today and now you're listening, you know, but are your kids aware of what news is and how to find news articles and how to find trustworthy articles out there? Are your kids aware of how to go and look up information on the conflict between Taiwan and China and why there's a conflict between Taiwan and China? Are they aware of the Ukraine-Russian conflict? Are they aware of how to find that information? And are the teachers at school helping them understand this? Are they having these discussions? Are they talking about these issues, these very real-world issues? And if they're not... And once again, what are you waiting on? Why aren't you in there? Why aren't you helping reshape the system? Because yes, there are curricular requirements and yes, there are things that you have to do as a teacher in certain classrooms. But a lot of this discussion can fit into those things. A lot of this discussion can be worked into that curriculum, especially in social studies. World geography, civics, U.S. history, world history. These are all things that tie into those in the, in the social studies curriculum. I know because I've taught it. I've helped other people plan lessons for it and, and prep their curricula for it. There are opportuni opportunities to work this in, but it requires us, you and me, to get involved. And I'm not just preaching from behind a microphone. I went out and did it. Lafayette Parish opens up a new job application, uh, you can fill out a job application for a substitute on their website the first day of every month. That's how you work your way. And that's how you start to get in. And then if you work as a sub long enough, eventually they're going to need a long-term sub. And they'll get you. And they'll let you come in and be a long-term sub. And you can work with these kids and you can see the education issues in the background there. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do. If these issues like Pam called in and talked about are the issues that are important to you, go ahead, call in. I'm sorry, uh, call the LPSS, say, what can I do? How can I be involved? What do you need me to do to get into a classroom? And they'll tell you. All right, guys, that's it for the Joe Cunningham Show. A 23-hour break until we return here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or Catch the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, you can also email me, joe at redstate.com. I'll talk to you guys again real soon because Offsides is coming up next. Shannon's in the other room. We're going to have fun on today's show right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.